Let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God. again and we'll pray for the word of God dear gracious heavenly father God I'm praying that you would strengthen me God that you would give me supernatural strength in this preaching moment hide me beneath the cross God that you would alleviate any uh, issues that I may be wrestling with God so that I can communicate the word of God clearly God let the ears of the listeners be illuminated let the heart of the hearers be illuminated let the mouth of the speaker be illuminated God so that your word will go forth and it would touch the hearts of the people God those watching online God allow the distractions to be eliminated so that the word of God would pierce them in the heart and give them what they need to move forward in this week and we give you praise for it in Jesus name and let all the people say amen, amen. if you're at home just go ahead and type amen All right, with your Bibles in your hands, would you repeat after me? This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple, where we love by living our vision every day. I want to do that again. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple, where we love... By living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Pastor Andre, feed me this word. All right, come on, put your hands together again. Yes. It always helps create an atmosphere when you clap your hands, and so that's why we often ask you to do so, and we do appreciate that. Normally, I have a setup or a scripture to get us into the title. Today, I'm just going to start with the title, and you will understand as soon as you see it, it. and so we bring that up right now, and it's simply this, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? This is the question that I'm wrestling with, grappling as a leader and as the loss of a great man so fresh in our minds. My question is, where do we go from here? I can't grieve as a son only 
because I'm a son and I'm a pastor. So I got to figure out what we doing next. And I don't have all of the answers. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to preach it as I talk to us. As I talk to us, we're going to be learning together. Those in the building as well as those online, we're going to be learning what we're going to do, what we're supposed to do now. What are we supposed to do next? Yes, we want to memorize. And yes, we want to always honor. But yet we have to figure out where do we go from here. And, and this is specific to our specific situation in this church, but it can be very personal to you wherever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're facing, both here and online. Sometimes the question comes, where do I go from here? Some things can pause you in your track. Some things can, like my mother would say, some things can just send you straight to bed. It can suck the life out of you. But after you go through those emotions, you have to figure out where do I go from here? My marriage is divorced. Where do I go from here? My job is gone. Where do I go from here? My child that I carry for nine months now, he's spitting in my face proverbially and won't do what I tell him to do. Where do I go from here? And sometimes all in our lives we have to wrestle with questions like this. And so I'm going to start by talking about my personal journey. And when I speak of my personal journey, I'm really meaning me and me alone. But I believe some of the things apply to my family, including my mother, my sisters, my brothers, uh, the close family. But I'm going to talk about first, point A is my personal journey. Somebody say my personal journey. So I'm talking about my personal journey, but in your life, when you're dealing with where you go from here, you can come in church, you can shout, you can have a good time, but once you get outside the door, you have a personal journey. Sometimes your personal journey is different from your spouse. It's different from your pewmate. You may be going through similar things, but it hits everybody differently because we're all different. No two snowflakes are made the same and no fingerprints are made the same. And this is not a cookie cutter answer for everything in life. It all hits us differently. It's sometimes it's just personal. Sometimes you tell people it's not business. It's personal. Some people say it's not personal. It's business. But I'm flipping it. Sometimes it's personal. So as your leader, what is my personal journey? As your leader, also as the son of a great man, what is my personal journey? Let's look at Joshua 1 and 1. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Verse 2. This is a verse that I really didn't want to go through, go to, a verse that has been coming up in my head. Sister Ruth quoted it last Sunday, but I really didn't want to look at it. But as I began to look at what I was going to talk about, this verse just jumped out. I was like, okay, God, we, well, I'm going to have to read it, going to have to look at it. So let's look at, it, at what it says. It says, Joshua 1 and 2, it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. First thing it says is get up, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, put the verse back up for me, into the land that I am giving to them 
to the people of Israel. Let me, let me read it in its entirety again. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. This brings me to the first point that I have to uh, wrestle with in my personal journey, and many of you do as well. First point is point number one. This is sub-point under my personal journey is I have to embrace the reality. In, in, in church, sometimes we have a hard time embracing the reality. We want to speak in tongues, which is fine if you believe in that. We want oil poured on the head, which is fine if you believe in that. And there's scriptural proof for all that. But at the end of all of the speaking in tongues and the oil poured on your head and the dancing and the praising and the shouting and the hugging and the high-fiving, you still got to face reality. And, and, and a lot of times, the problem that I've had growing up in church is that, that church has become the drug to keep people from dealing with reality. Church is not supposed to get you to escape reality. It's supposed to help you embrace and face whatever reality you're dealing with. If you're broke, yes, you can come in here and talk about prosperity. But at some point, you have to embrace the reality. I ain't got nothing. And so I, I, I thank God for prosperity. I thank God for what you're going to do. I thank God for three spins around and three flips. But at the end of the day, when I walk out the door, i got to figure out how I'm going to make these ends meet. And sometimes in order to embrace reality, you have to sometimes figure out the reason why I'm broke is not God's fault. It's not the church's fault. I had a lot to do with it. So you begin to embrace reality. So in this text, in the context of this text, Joshua was talked to, and the first thing, if you knew Joshua and how he served Moses, it was very difficult, but God spoke it very clear to him. Moses, my servant, is dead. He's not here in physical form, so you're going to have to learn how to embrace that reality. And that's not an easy reality to embrace, especially in our specific uh, example, what we're going through. It's not easy. In, in my personal journey, that is not easy. Easy. This is the first time I've ever preached a message without my father living. That is not easy. There's nothing easy about it. I can't pretend. I, I, I can't go grab a, a sermon off of the internet and preach something to make you happy because my goal in my life, my personal mission statement is to be authentic. And that is not my authentic truth right now. My authentic truth is this hurts. Let me be, let me, let me speak a little French. This sucks. That's that, that's the reality, but, but you have to learn how to embrace it because in order to get, uh, where you need to go, you got to deal with what is, and it is okay to tell people you're not okay. It is okay to tell people, I, I, I don't like this. It's okay to tell people right now I'm depressed. I, I said hallelujah when I was in church, but when I go home and there's nobody there, I'm depressed. I'm sick. I'm hurting. It is okay to embrace your personal reality because that's how you get help. Let's look at Joshua 1.3. This is very powerful, though, in my personal journey. It says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. Something that Joshua was being told to remember is that the promised 
doesn't die. Even though the servant that you were assisting dies, the promise that was connected to that servant doesn't die. And so this is something that was said to him. He said, every place the sole of your foot treads, I will give to you. So there's an instruction in that. Here's the instruction in that is, I'm going to give you everywhere that you go. So if when you embrace your reality, you stay standing still, then you are doing a disservice to the promises that are yet ahead. Yes, this may hurt. Yes, this may not feel good. But there's still some promises that God has connected to his word and connected to the servant that has gone on to the other side. And so you cannot stand still. You you, you can embrace what you feel, but you can't die in your feelings. You can embrace what you're going through, but you can allow what you're going through to consume you. The idea of going through is ultimately you still got to go through. Yea, though I walk through. So the valley is hard and the valley is dry and the valley is dark and the valley is dusty, but he's still the lily in the valley. He, he's still there when you're hurting. He, he's still there and there's some promises still out there that you still have a right to go after. Don't let the devil fool you and trick you. This is not the end. It's not going to end like this. It's not going to stay like this. I'm not going to feel like this forever. Yes, I'm going to embrace the reality, but I also have to understand there's a promise that every place my foot will go, God's going to give me. So here, without saying it, there was an instruction given to Moses, and here was the instruction, and here's number two in me embracing my personal journey. Bring number two up. Move forward. So where do we go from here? forward. Now, now how, I don't know, but where we got to move forward because there's a connection. I'm not there yet. There's, there's a connection to me moving and God giving me the promises. And here's the thing about life, the trials and the obstacles and the trips of life are trying to make you a statue in the last thing that hurts you. Nothing wrong with embracing the hurt. But you can't be a statue in her. You, you, you remember Lot's wife? When she was supposed to be moving forward, she looked back. And the Bible says she turned into a pillar of salt. And salt was a preservative. She got preserved in that state. Or here's the, here's the, the revelation. She got stuck in the state. When, when, when you study it out, it, it seems to suggest that the covering of God or the blessing of God was moving forward. And as long as everyone moved forward, they were been covered from the damage that was going to happen to Sodom. But when Lot turned her back, she stepped outside of the forward movement of God and got stuck in something that wasn't good. So I'm going to embrace the reality, but I promise you I won't be stuck here. I promise you, I'm going to move forward and the church is going to move forward because there's still some promises that belong to us. If I could borrow something from Mabel Wood's book, I would say every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse 
every line. So I've got to move forward in order to get something. That not, that doesn't mean I got to rush, but I'm embracing the reality and I'm moving forward. Let's let let's go to verse five. It says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Here's number three in my personal journey that I'm understanding. I got to know that legacy is before me and God is with me. The reason why, even though I'm embracing the reality that I'm choosing to move forward, because I understand that legacy is before me and God is with me. He said, just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you, Joshua. Just like I was with Bishop and Apostle Mitchell, I'm going to be with you, Andre. So my personal journey is I've got to move forward. The legacy demands that I move forward. The the legacy demands that I don't get stuck as a statue. The legacy demands that I've got to move forward. And I got to take some people with me. So where do we go from here? Forward. Will that erase the pain? No. But it will preserve the legacy. All right, let's let's look at Joshua 1:6. I'm going to have three points coming from this. Be strong and courageous. For you, Joshua, shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. All right, so number four for my personal journey, put that up. I have to utilize strength. So the command says be strong. So that means that strength is available. God would never ask you to do something that he has not already previously made it available. So my personal journey is I have to utilize the strength that is available. Sometimes it doesn't look like strength is around and you got to reach deep down with inside of yourself and pull up some strength and muster some strength because the legacy that we're following is a legacy of strength. It's a legacy of challenges, but a legacy of rising to every occasion. We were taught as kids, Mitchells don't quit. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how rough it is. You don't throw in the towel. You don't quit. You pull yourself up and you move forward. You grab some strength and you move forward. I've got to utilize the strength. So when we see In Hebrew, when it's translated to English and it is be, it's like when God said, let there be light, it actually should be better translated is light be. In other words, I see darkness, but I know light is hidden behind the darkness. So I won't speak to the darkness. I'll speak to the light and command the light to shine out of darkness. And what God is saying to me personally is I've hidden some strength in you for this journey. And while you may have tears and while you may be confused and while you may not know what you need to do, I'm speaking strength to your soul. I'm speaking strength to your mind. I'm speaking strength to your journey. So Andre, be strong. Teresa, be strong. Alan, be strong. Darlene, be strong. Jaden and Draylen, be strong. I don't know who I'm talking to, but be strong. The strength was already deposited a long time ago. And in your 
darkest hour, you still can be strong. Now, here's the thing that bothers and buffaloes the devil is when you should be laying down, you stand up with strength. When you should just roll over and die, you have more strength than you knew. It's not your strength. It's strength hidden inside the journey. And you got to utilize the strength. Point number five. Under this, not only that, you got to take courage. You got to take courage. I, I got to wrestle courage. Sometimes your courage is hidden in your fears, but I'm pulling back the courage. I, I need the camera on me because I want the people to see what I'm doing. I want you to take courage. I want you to pull it like a lever and grab it. The devil has your courage. Give him my courage back. The devil has you afraid. Give me my courage back. Yes, I embrace reality, but I'm not going to die. I'm not going to fold. I'm not going to fail. I got some strength. I got some power. I still got some joy. You won't stop me from laughing. You won't stop me from praising. Give me my courage back. I got some courage. Let me, let me tell you a, a little, little comical thing that, that'll help you. I, I remember one day, and I can't remember if it was a holiday, but we had cooked some, some barbecue and grill, grilled out, and so uh, we had these bratwurst, and I love bratwurst. And I had a bratwurst in my hand, and somehow it slipped, and it hit the floor. And before I know it, my dog had grabbed the bratwurst. My little dog, if you know my little dog Bentley, he's only about 11 pounds. He had grabbed the bratwurst, but there's no way he could have the whole bratwurst in his mouth. It's just too big. And I was looking all over for it, and I noticed that he didn't open his mouth. He had snatched it up real quick. And I tried to get it from him, and he wasn't letting it go. Next thing you know, he over there in the corner belching because he didn't ate the whole thing. I need you to be like my dog and just grab courage. If somebody next to you drops some courage, grab it and snatch it up and gobble it up. I can't fold. I can't fail. I got to be strong because I got to move forward. All right. Now, let's, let, let's go to point B. So that, that's my personal journey. Let, let's talk about our collective journey. Even though when I was talking about my personal journey, many of you can find some strength in that and say, yeah, I need to do some things. But, but let's look at our collective journey. What do we need to do as a collective? And I, I mean as a church. Let, 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 let me be honest. Let me embrace this reality. In, 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 in a month or so, people are going to forget. They're not going to forget but they're not going to be all the cards and all the calls. It, 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 it will lessen over time. But we still have to come to church and not see who we were used to seeing. And, and, and the first Sunday of the month and somebody else is going, we, we're going to have to deal with this for a while. So we have to have a collective journey. One thing you cannot do in life, you cannot go into life without a plan. You, 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 you have to know, listen, the reason why sometimes the devil tricks us because we don't think far enough ahead. I'm trying to think where do we go from here. I'm not trying to play with this thing. We got to do this thing right because we can sink, we can fail, or we can sink, swim, and we can thrive. And if we're going to honor the legacy of the great man, we got to thrive. He didn't build all this for us to fold and roll over. To be honest, this church should be full. Maybe they're online. 
To be honest, folks should be jumping up and down, but, but listen, folk, folk don't really care about God like that. But let some stuff really hit their house. They'll come to the house of God. They'll come running. I ain't waiting till the crowd come. I'm praising God now. I'm moving forward now. I'm believing in God now. Do I feel like quitting sometimes? I sure as heaven do. But that will not honor the legacy of this man if I roll over and quit and all. This church has to move. This church has to grow. This church has to change. This church has to bless the community. We got to honor and uphold the legacy. So we need, to, we need to focus on what our collective journey is. Where do we go from here? One thing for sure, we can't stand still and we can't go backwards. We only got one choice. Move forward. Well, you might sink if you move forward. Yeah, you might sink. But you're going to look stupid standing still, and you're going to look stupid going backwards. So I listen, if I'm going to look stupid, I'm going to look stupid going forward. Let me borrow something from 56. I'm going to get rich or die trying. I'm going to get blessed or die trying. I'm going to save the world or die trying. I, I'm going to try. Amen. All right, so moving forward in, into this, Joshua 3.1. Joshua 3 1 says this. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out. They moved forward from Shittim. <laughs> they moved out of the mess that they was in. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. He and all the people of Israel. It, a leader's no good if he's going by himself. Apostle Wilson would say that if you are a leader and ain't nobody following you, you're just taking a walk. But when you have followers with you, that's when you're really leading. So here is our collective journey. Part, uh, the sub point of our collective journey under B is this. Point number one is this is something I can hear my daddy saying. We must stick together. This, 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 now, now, let me be honest. I've embraced this rally for some time. A lot of y'all, I really wasn't y'all pastor. You were here because that was your pastor. He was your pastor. He gave the church to me, so you stuck around. But you don't really like me like you like him because I ain't been in your life that much. But this is not the time to turn on me and Devin now. This is the time to stick together. Pull, pull together. This ain't, this, ain't, this ain't the time to break up and be divided. This is not the time to get into sex and factions. This is the time to pull together because we're trying to move forward. We, 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 we got a city looking at us. We, we got a kingdom looking at us. They were already looking at us in a good way, and they are telling us, you honored your, 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 your leader well in the way you had the funeral. Everything was lovely, but that won't mean a hill of beans if we fold now. Stick together. Lord, make us one. Stick together. You ain't got to like everybody in here, but you sure better love them. So if you, if you got a hatchet need to bury, bury the hatchet. And, and what I understand about life and church life and people, listen, we're human. We're going to get in on your nerves. I'm not going to like all of your personality, but I'm not going to be a person that's not going to love you. I'm not going to talk about you behind your back. I'm going to stick with my people. Ride or die, these are my people. Now, I said that about, about me, uh, about y'all, but let me say it about me. People, when I preach other places, I have heard pastors tell me, you are too big 
for your city. You too big for Muncie. You you need to leave and go somewhere else. Your your ministry will blow up. Maybe that's true, but this ain't the time for me to be thinking about none of that. I'm sticking with my people. I'm sticking. I'm I'm with y'all. All right. So let's look at uh, Joshua 3.2. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp, verse 3, and commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. So here's point number two that we must do. We must follow God's presence. This is the season for us to figure out what God is doing and follow him. Where do we go from here? After God. We go after God. What what did apostle always say? Well, well, actually, I I can just be very honest and tell you because as I was doing something uh, last week, I realized that his last message was still on my computer. So I just start sitting and looking at it, just 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 reminiscing with the tears, watching him him speak, realizing that at the time he was speaking, he was he was sick then and probably didn't even know it. And then he was just sharing. But one of the things he said toward the end, he said, "It's time to seek God." That 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 was his mindset. I don't care what's going on out there. We need to seek. God, and that is what we're going to do moving forward. Where do we go from here? We're following hard after God. We're looking for his presence. We're not looking for the next gimmick, the latest thing. We need the presence of God. I don't care if we don't have carpet and chairs and lights and microphones. If we don't have his presence, let's close up the church. But as long as his presence is here. And this is what I love. The first part of our vision statement says connect with our creator continually. I don't have to wait till I come into the building to find his presence. I can find his presence at Chipotle. I can find his presence in the mall. I can find his presence cutting grass because the earth is the Lord's and it all belongs to him. And the Bible says the whole earth is filled with his glory. I need the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is here. I can feel it in the atmosphere. I feel it down on the inside of me. Yes, I'm embracing reality. And yes, I'm hurting. But I still feel the presence of the Lord. I don't believe my brother would, would, would mind me saying this, talking to Stephen. And we, we were sharing one, one thing when we think about sticking together. Uh, one thing I'm so grateful for our siblings. We are, we, we are like this. We haven't always been like this, but we are like this. And so I'm so grateful. And it's, it's not just because of the death of our father, but before that we were like this. So I was talking to Stephen and he was saying, I, I want, I, I want to be mad at God or I wanted to be mad at God because we didn't get the outcome we were praying for. And I'm not going to lie to you. It wasn't like uh, somebody said, do you see this coming? No. I'm looking for a miracle. I, that I was taught to believe for a miracle. So this is not the outcome we wanted. So Stephen said, I, I, I wanted to be mad. But when I got into the funeral, I couldn't help but my hands go up. Even though I wanted to be upset and I didn't want to pray. See, here's the thing about the presence of God. No matter what you're going through, there's something connected on the inside of you. And I may be hurting, but I still got something in me to give God praise. I may be crying, but there's a praise down on the inside. Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. I can't backslide now. I can't quit now. I got too much in me to fold now. I'm still going to praise the Lord. 
That's why the Bible says we bring the sacrifice of praise. Because praise sometimes is a sacrifice. You don't feel like coming to church. You don't feel like giving in the offering. You don't feel like lifting your hand. But when you think about how good God has been to you, he still got breath in your body. You still got clothes on your back. You still have the activity of your limbs. I still got to praise God. God, you haven't done everything I want the way I want you to do it, but you're still God. And I still praise you. Why? Because I want your presence. Because he inhabits the praises of his people. So if I can't feel God, there's something wrong with my praise. When I start praising God, he invades any atmosphere I am. Because when I call out to God, God will step out of eternity into my life. And you can have a praise break washing the dishes. You can have a praise break in the gym. Because God is everywhere when you know how to praise him. All right, I got to move on. Let's look at Joshua 3 and 4. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. You, you, this is something new. You, you, you heard people talking about uh, through the pandemic, this is a new normal. Give, give you another little anecdote. My, my daughter, Alana, we love her, and she's a very confident little girl, and we like her confidence, but she's been having a little issue that no matter what we tell her, she say, I know. We were like, oh, you got to do it this way. I know. We're like, no, you don't know. You ain't. You don't, you, you, I, I know you think you know. I'm glad you have confidence, but here's the truth. You haven't been this way before. We, we can't, let me put, put the point up so I can explain it even better. Number, number three, we must not rush the process because we haven't been this way before. No, and I know some people say, well, I've lost lovers, but we, no, we, I'm talking about we, we haven't lost our, our leader, our overseer. We, we haven't lost the glue of who we are. We, we, we haven't been this way before, so we're not going to rush the process. If I don't feel like shouting and dancing, I ain't going to come here shouting and dancing. I ain't trying to rush. I ain't trying to put on the show for you. If I feel like sitting and crying, I'm going to cry. I'm still praising God, but I'm going to go through the process. Because I haven't been this way before. And when you rush in a way you haven't been before, you miss stuff. You, you, you ever been driving somewhere and, and because you haven't been there before, you're driving. But on the way coming back, you don't even think you're going the right way because I don't remember this. I don't remember that. Yeah, you passed it, but because you had never been that way before, you missed stuff. This is new, so we got we can't rush this. We got to go. When people ask, what y'all going to do? We don't know. We going to follow God. We ain't rushing. Oh, well, let, 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 let's have a seven-day revival. So, no, I ain't doing nothing yet. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God and figure out what God wants us to do. We don't, want, we don't want to rush. That's the problem. A lot of stuff, people, we always want to rush past the hurt. But sometimes the hurt teaches us things that'll help us so the next time it won't hurt like it hurts this time. So stop rushing the process. Uh, I didn't mean to get on this, but, but you just got divorced. Four weeks later, you engaged. Throw the ring away. Throw that Cracker Jacks box ring away and wait. You're not ready yet. That's a rebound relationship. Stop rushing the process. It's okay to sit and heal. And all healing don't come at the altar. Some healing comes with time. 
All right, let's let, let let's keep going. Hold on, I, don't, I didn't mean to get God, but God keeps uh, want me to give you other examples. You just got out of debt. They just fixed your credit. Now you running and buying furniture and buying stuff. Stop, chill. Wait, stop rushing stuff because that's how you get in, in trouble. You haven't been this way before. Take it slow because who are you trying to impress anyway? They're going to talk about you anyway. Take your time. Well, pastor, I don't like going to McDonald's on Sunday when everybody else is going out to eat, but do you still get fed? Well, take your little tail to McDonald's, get your little dollar and 50 cent fry and be okay. Don't rush the process. One day you'll eat steak. If you can't do it right now, it's okay. You haven't been this way before. Take your time with it. All right. So uh, let's look at verse five. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. Let's look at number four, point number, sub point number four. We must not lose our consecration. See, when, when, when you get hit with a blow, the human side of you is act up. Do so. I, I, I was teasing with, with, with someone, Brother Draylon. Uh, I was teasing. With, uh, no, it wasn't Draylon. It was, it was uh, I think it was my goddaughter, Jossie. I was teasing with her. And she was she was uh, talking to me. I said, "You know what I, I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go just 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 go sinning and just do all kinds of crazy stuff. Then I'm gonna come back to the church and say, I'm sorry, I was grieving. My bad. This is my chance to just cut up. We're just 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 laughing, joking about stuff. But some people, once they get hit with any type of blow, they just go wild." Here's the thing, and it is a true temptation. Because here's the problem with temptation, with some temptation. It is curing a real problem in a wrong way. When, when, when you get lonely enough, the problem of loneliness is real. It's just you just cure it in the wrong way with the wrong folk. And you end up with more trouble. So we must not lose our consecration. Because the quick fix can cause you further trouble. I, I, I've told y'all that I have relaxed my standard and I, I, I don't mind having alcohol here and there and from time to time. But I have to maintain my consecration. I have not been drunk since 1995 and I cannot be drunk. Y'all can do what y'all want to. But for me, I cannot because it will affect my consecration. So even though I I feel it's okay for me to have a drink, I don't feel it's okay for me to get drunk because it will affect my consecration and the way that I lead. So that means there has to be limits on what I do, when I do, how I do it, because it'll affect my future. Well, that's old fogey. Yeah, it may be old fogey, but that's the way I stay anointed. If you want me to stay anointed and you don't want me acting a fool and you don't want to see your pastor in the paper, your pastor can't lose his consecration. And you can't either. We're in a grace church. You can go where you want, drink what you want, listen to what you want, do what you want, but don't lose your consecration. Amen. So that, and for some of that, for some of us, that means run. 
Some of us can be around stuff, but others of us, you just got to run. Be like Joseph. Have a Joseph anointing. I just got to run. I can't, I can't, I'm not that saved. I'm not that saved to be around some stuff. I just got to run because it'll affect my consecration. Amen. And so, point number five, this was from that same verse. We must still expect miracles. This, this is a rough one because you're like, but, but we expected one. And it didn't happen. Listen, that's what Satan wants you to do. He always wants you to to base tomorrow off of yesterday. You still got to expect a miracle. You still got to believe the best. You still got, I I know your house foreclosed, but you still got to believe that God can give you a house on the hill. I know your marriage ended in divorce. You still got to believe the next one will come. You still got to expect miracles. Don't let the devil trick you and rob you. God still works miracles. He's still powerful. Just because he didn't do it when you want it, how you want it, doesn't mean he's not able. I love the three Hebrew boys. They said, even if he doesn't deliver us, we know he's able. I'm not going to change my mind about how powerful he is based on my present circumstance and my present situation because he's still God and he still has power and he's still working miracles. And next time I need a miracle, I'm still going to believe. But what if you don't get it? I'm still going to believe. Here's, I only got two choices. Either believe or give up on believing. It's easier for me to keep believing. What does it hurt you to keep believing? You got a 50-50 chance. Either he's going to do it or he's not. But I'm not going to quit believing because he's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. All right, let's, let's, let, let's move on. I can't tell it all in this sermon, so I got to keep moving. Joshua 3, 6. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Number six, this isn't for everybody, but this is for those who understand it. Number six, put point number six up. We must have leaders willing to go first. When you have a community in the church, not everybody in the church is supposed to be leaders. You're supposed to have disciples who disciple others. But if you are a disciple maker, you have to rise to the challenge. Here's the truth of the matter. Now that my father has elevated, I must elevate. So that means there's some people under me that got to elevate. Some of y'all, you come and you eat and you feed, but you don't feed nobody else. It's time for you to rise up and say, "I'm I'm, I'm willing to get up. I'm willing to go. I know Will and Lynn and Rutha and Teresa and, and Andre and the boys going to be there early, but I'm starting to start, start coming early. I'm not coming at 11.15, 11.20. I'm going to start coming early, and I'm going to figure out what needs to be done. Because here's, here's the thing. When you ask Andre what needs to be done, I'm doing so much I don't know. I'm, I, my mind, I'm always doing stuff. So you're not always going to find out what needs to be done by asking me. But just get around me and see what I'm doing and follow after me and start doing it. But Brother Will, I didn't really tell him what to do, how to do. He just figured it out and now he shows up every Sunday and gets it done because he's rising up to be a leader. And we need leaders who will rise up. We need some leaders. All right, let's, let's, let's go to verse 7. And right now, all of y'all could be leaders. All of y'all could be. 
But it, it, it leaders have to rise to the occasion. Joshua 3, 7. The Lord said to Joshua today, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Here's point number seven. We must be okay with whom God elevates. Because when leaders rise, here's, here's the thing. Public power starts in private places. So when God begins to elevate somebody, don't get mad because they did the work you wasn't willing to do. So when someone starts getting elevated and they start rising, Pastor Andre don't never call my name out when he preaching because I don't have to see you. I, I don't know when you're here or when you're not. I didn't even know you still belong to this church. I didn't know. So don't be mad at me. Step up to the game. Rise up to the occasion. Here's the thing. When you do the work, you cannot and will not be hidden. The Bible says a man's gift or a woman's gift will make room for them and bring them before great men. You cannot stay hidden if you're doing the work. Let, 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 me, let me jump on my, on my, my father again. My father was one who did the work, but he did a lot of behind-the-scenes work. So not everybody knows, but if you were at the funeral, you see how many people showed up because they said, and, and uh, my, my, my brother Stephen, his good friend Steve James said, your daddy was a low-key icon in the city of Muncie. He was an icon. And he didn't always say, look at me, look at me, look at Royce, look at Royce. He did the work and the work speaks for itself. Don't worry about who's getting elevated. You do the work. So God can elevate you. Amen. When you, when you go to a hotel, you, we've all done this. You go to a hotel and you're standing at the elevator, but you forget to push the button. And you wonder why the door won't open and you can't go up, but you haven't done your part. When you push the button, it calls the elevator to you or it calls the elevation to you. And then you step into the elevation. But first, you got to call the elevation to you. Don't be mad at the elevator when the problem is you. Ooh, tight, but it's right. Joshua 3.8. And as for you... Command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Here's point number eight. It may sound counter, uh, counterproductive for what I said before. Let's put up point number eight. We must be willing to stand still. We have to move forward, but in moving forward, sometimes God asks you to stand still. So don't get in such a rush moving forward that you don't hear the next instruction to stand still. Let, let me give you an example of, of that. Uh, Abraham was told to sacrifice his son. He was told, he decided to obey. He goes up there to do it. And then God says, stop. There's a ram in the bush. What if Abraham said, no, I heard God the first time. <clears throat> no, he would have messed up something. Because sometimes the Bible says we must obey every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So the first word gets you moving, but sometimes the second word causes you to stand still. And this is what the scripture says, stand still and know that I am God. So as a church, we're going to move forward, but we're also going to be willing to stand still. 
What if God doesn't give me a message? We still have in church, but we're going to come in here. We're going to stand still. Maybe, maybe our church is going to start like this. Maybe church is going to start on our knees. No singing, no video, no nothing. We're just going to stand still and find out what God wants because we are in a crucial moment. We're in a crucial time. We got a legacy that we got to carry on. So we got to move forward, but we got to be willing to stand still. Sometimes in, in, and, and it goes back to the money example I was giving you. Sometimes when God begins to bless you with money, the best thing you can do is stand still. Don't spend nothing. Save it, collect it, and start praying. What do I need? Because here's the way I am. What I think I need on Monday, I done forgot about on Tuesday. I was all on Amazon on Monday. I had it in my cart. But by Tuesday, I done forgot about it. It was just a phase I was going through. So learn how to sometimes stand still. Wait a little while. Don't let any salesman tell you you got to do it in 24 hours. It's a lie. It'll still be there in 24 hours. And if it's not in 24 hours, it wasn't for you to begin with. Stand. Look at your neighbor and say, stand still. All right. For you, ooh, Jesus, for you jump in the bed with that joker again, stand still. Ooh, enough of that. Joshua 3, 9. Now, now, y'all do know the mantle of rabbit trails will get on me. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be right, but I'm going to grab that mantle now. Oh, Joshua 3, 9. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Number nine, point number nine, as our collective journey, we must listen to God. Prayer is not a monologue. Mono means singular. Prayer isn't that. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my Lord, so to keep. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless you. Yay, Jesus. I'm going about your day. Real prayer is dialogue. So you talk to him, but he talks to you. So sometimes the reason why you have to stand still is so that you can listen. Now, now, sometimes the kids don't understand this because they got Spotify and they got Apple Music and all that kind of stuff. But in our day, when you were driving, especially uh, some of y'all who understand uh, 105.7 WTLC, it didn't always come the greatest from Indianapolis to Muncie. So if you caught the signal, sometimes you had to be still. Listen, my jam is on right now. I got to pull over because if I keep going forward, I, I, I got to stand still so I can hear forever my lady from Jodice. I, I want to hear it so I got to be still. And God works on frequencies. And sometimes you're moving too fast to hear what he wants to say. So you got to stand still so you can tune in to the voice of God. One word from God can change your entire situation. But you got to be willing to listen and you stand still so that you can listen. All right, move, moving, moving to uh, Joshua 3.10. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Jebusites. And we don't have those, but let me add this, the Brokeites, the Deadites, the Sexites, the Drugites, the Depressionites, the Divorceites, all the ites that we have to face. Let's look at number 10. We must look for signs that God is defeating our enemies. 
The worst thing you can do is like, oh, God ain't thinking about me. He ain't doing nothing. No, no, God is working. He may not be working like you want him to work, but look for the signs that God is working. God, God is working. There are signs. Here, here's, here's the thing. It may be warm outside, but there's signs we are in the fall season. Because when I see leaves falling from the trees and I see the cool and feel the cool breeze, there's a sign that the times and the seasons have changed. You may have been in a season of darkness. You may have been in a season of loneliness. You may be in a season of grief, but Guess what? Look for the signs that God's going to defeat your enemy. You won't have to do it. The battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. So every day, look for a sign. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I went to bed sad, but I'm going to wake up and I'm going to try again. I'm tired of waking up on the wrong side of the bed. I'm going to wake up looking for God to bless and looking for God to move and looking for God to turn it around. And somebody may tell me you're going to be in grief for the next 10 years well that may be your story that don't have to be my story God can do it differently for me I'm looking for a sign for God to defeat my enemies because I can't do it by myself if I could do it by myself I wouldn't waste your time in here preaching I'd go out there and do it but I need some help I need God on my side but I'm looking stop, stop getting in a place where you don't look for God to do. Keep looking. I don't care if you haven't seen it for 10, 15, 20 years. Keep looking. What I love about Abraham, it took him 25 years to get the promise, but he kept standing in faith. I need you to be a faith people. Keep looking for God to do what you need him to do. Keep on looking. I'm preaching better than y'all letting on, but amen. Joshua 3.11 Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Verse 12. Now therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. Point number 11. We must have every family participating. If we're going to move forward as a ministry, we need every family. Not just the Mitchells, the Woods, no, the Garretts, the the. The whoever, the Sims. No, we need everybody. We need a representation from every family. We, we need everybody to get on the ship. We, we, we need to get together, come together, and we need the family. And here's the thing that it says a representative or a man from each tribe. What you don't understand is many times you're the connection to your larger family. Your larger family who's out there lost and dying, you're the connection to drag them in. We don't need to run a revival to get people to come to church. All you got to do is start asking your family. You got another folk in your family to fill these pews and get people in. And if they don't come, send them the link to the live and tell them to watch this and listen to this. Because we need every family on board. Now, we can't take every family in Muncie, but we got more families that belong to us than what we're getting. So we need everybody to get on board. Well, I can't wait to pass or preach a good message so the people will come. No, you go get the people. You are the family. You are the representative. You are the person people are looking at. They may not be able to get to me, but they can get to you. You are my sermon. I preach to you, but I preach through you. Be the representative for the family because we need every family participating. That includes tithing and giving and praising. Whatever we do, it includes all of that. Let's continue to read Joshua 313. And when the souls 
of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Verse 14, so when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, number 12, point number 12, we must be set on passing over. The Jordan represents an obstacle they had to get across. It was very similar to the Red Sea, but because they, if they would try it, it the, the Jordan wasn't that wide. They could cross it, but it was too deep. So they needed the waters to part like the Red Sea so that they could walk in. We are dealing with things that we have to cross over, that we have to go, whether it's your education, whether it's your money, your job, your marriage. We all have something we have to cross over, but you have to be set in your mind, I'm going over. I, I, I'm going over. I'm not going to stay in on the sidelines. I'm set that we're getting over. We're getting through this. We're getting to the other side. I'm here to, as a prophet to tell you we are getting to the other side. You are getting to the other side, but you have to set in your mind. Because here's the thing. Most of your success is a mindset. If you have failed in your mind, you'll fail in your life. But if you set in your mind, we are getting over we're coming through this. I don't care what it looks like. We're getting over. We're coming through this. We're getting over. We're coming through this. We are passing over. Somebody say that. We are passing over. All right, verse 15. Only a few more points and then we'll close. And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped into the brink of the water, now, here's a caveat they throw in the scripture, now the Jordan overflows all its banks Throughout the time of harvest. Here's point number 13. We must know we are actually stepping into harvest. So what we're stepping into is hard. What we're trying to cross over is hard. But the reason why it's so hard, the reason why the Jordan is so high and so deep at this time, because it only overflows when harvest. See, the devil acts up the most. When harvest time is close, so you can't quit. I know it feels bad, but we're close to harvest. We're actually stepping into harvest. Well, Pastor, it feels like I'm stepping into doo-doo. No, you're stepping into harvest. You're stepping, it feels like I'm stepping into trouble. No, you're stepping into harvest. You got to believe. You got to believe. God hasn't brought you this far to leave you, so keep on stepping. Keep on stepping. Get in cadence. Keep on stepping because you're actually in a harvest season. All right, sometimes trouble shows you in a harvest season. Verse 16, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. So the waters on one side rose up. The city, Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down toward the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. So the waters stood up on both sides, and the people walked through. Verse 14, I'm not verse 14, but point 14. We must believe the impossible can still happen for us. If God has to stop waters for us, if God has to stop time for us, if God has to block stuff for us, we still must believe the impossible can happen for us. But it didn't. But don't worry about yesterday. We're moving forward. It still can happen for us. All right, verse 17. And this is the last verse. Now the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and 
all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Verse, I mean, point 15, and this is the final point. We must not be satisfied until we all get to the other side. As your leader, I'm going to step into this thing, and I'm going to help us move forward. But just like my daddy, if one of y'all is failing, I'm not satisfied. I'm going to go back, leave the 99 and get the one because we all need to get over. When, when, when one of y'all gets a new car, I'm looking for other folk to get new cars. I'm looking for us all to get blessed. When one gets a new job, I want another to get a new job. When one single woman gets married, I want another single woman to get. I want us all to get to the other side. I want it to be so much blessing that when we get to the parking lot, we're praising on the parking lot because we can't wait to tell what God is doing. And when we tell what God is doing, no one is jealous because the next person knows I must be next. God, you bless Ella. I got to be next. You're blessed, Devin. I got to be next. I'm in the right place and I'm not satisfied till we all cross over. And that man right there wasn't satisfied until everybody, the low person, crossed over. The janitor or the CEO didn't make him no difference. He wanted everybody. He fought for the underdog and we cannot be satisfied till we all cross over. I've embraced my reality and I'm trying to move forward, but I don't want to leave none of y'all behind. I don't want you to be stuck. If you're crying, I want to cry with you. If you're hurting, I want to hurt with you because we're not complete until we all cross over. Amen. Here's the title again. Bring it up. Where do we go from here? Here's the answer. We go forward, every single one of us. Say this with me, and this is how we're going to move into our prayer. I'm going forward, and I'm taking somebody with me. And I won't be satisfied until all DT gets to the other side. Amen. Praise God. Let us... Let us transition into our prayer. You can rise to your feet as we pray. I'm going to come over here so my online audience can see me. I'm actually wearing my daddy's tie today. Amen. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. God, we do as a ministry have to move forward. This is not something that we were expecting, but we have been taught and we have been built for all kinds of adversity. And this is something that we will go for honoring the legacy of our bishop and taking this ministry to the next level that it's supposed to be on. God, however high I'm supposed to take this ministry, I want to take everybody with me that I possibly can. All those here in the building as well as those online. So we pray that it will be done. Now, God, if there's anybody that's going to be watching me or anybody here that doesn't know you in the pardon of their sins, they don't know you as their savior, there's no way they can cross to the other side if they don't have you in their life. So I pray that they would say these words, Father God, you sent your son for my sins. I accept your son. I trade his righteousness for my sins. And I'm going over to the other side. In Jesus' name, amen. 
If you prayed that prayer and you need a good Bible-believing church, Deliverance Temple is a good Bible-believing church you can be in. You are dismissed. God bless you.